0: Hi everybody, welcome to The Strangcast. My name is Ashley, and in this episode, we're gonna be having a conversation with Harry Popkin, host of the YouTube channel, The Mental Corner. Harry and I used to be swim teammates, but today we picked up the phone to talk about how students can cope with mental illness while dealing with their everyday responsibilities. We hope you enjoy. Thank you. how are you?
1: Not bad, not bad. Is the sound okay? I'm on speaker right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really good actually. Oh. Do you want to start off just by explaining what the mental corner is? Yeah, perfect, sure.
1: Um, yeah, okay, so the mental corner is basically my way of trying to show the viewers that uh, they're not alone in their mental health struggles. I kind of um, so what I do on it is basically I've got a bunch of different segments. I procrastinate a lot, so it's hard for me to follow ritual, but, uh, basically there's mental health discussions where I talk about my, my own experiences and what I've learned through my journey. And then there's uh, a show called the H panel that I provide where I interview people, um, from all different backgrounds to talk about mental health and talk about their own experiences, what helped them get through it. Um, uh, basically just to, wear, to raise awareness and kind of keep the conversation going.
0: In the H panel that you have you have so many incredible people, so many different incredible voices. Which conversation do you think was most eye-opening for you? Oh, man. Um,
1: ooh, that's tough. Um, I think I think one of them definitely, uh, it was my second episode of the whole show. Um it was with a girl named logan who i actually went to school with in high school uh and she was talking about her experience with um sexual assault and uh kind of how she got through it and kind of how like her experiences with it and i think that was really eye-opening just because uh you know you hear about that in like the news and on social media but when it when it it happens to someone that you know it kind of hits different
0: yeah
1: to realize like oh wow it like a lot more common than people kind of think and I think I think I've felt that way through most of them so that one definitely uh hit a different level um I'm trying to think of another one that did as well uh I did one with um I did one with a professional swimmer uh her name's Maddie Bannock, and she basically talked about um like suicide and how like her experience with it um I think that one hit different as well because I could relate to it almost. Uh, we had very similar stories. And it's just kind of, whenever an athlete comes on, it, it just, uh, it, it's really great because it shows, like, just because you're an athlete doesn't mean you have to be tough all the time. Like, it, it's basically normalizing that conversation further. So uh, I'd say those two definitely hit a different level.
0: I did love those episodes, I must say. Uh, so let's get started with some of the questions that I sent to you. Yep, let's do it. Okay, so what mental health advice would you give to your first-year self?
1: My first-year self, the main thing I would give to myself is go get the help that you need. Because I was actually just talking about this uh, with a guest earlier today. I, I was diagnosed with the depression and anxiety in my first year, but I was so stubborn that every help or every sort of advice that like the therapists and the doctors gave me, I said, nah, I don't need it. I'm good. And it didn't, it, it, it took, you know, almost taking my own life in my final year of university. It took that for me to finally go, okay, I do need help. So for my first year self to, you know, save a bunch of, Mental exhaustion for the last couple of years. Um, I would just tell them that you know there's nothing wrong with going to get the help that you need because it, mental illness is—it's not a physical illness, but it should be treated equally because it, it does affect uh, your day to day. It affects you know um, your performance in school and life and sport. Um, so just treat it like a physical illness go get the help you need and don't be ashamed that you do need to reach out and get help because it's a lot more common than uh, first year me thought anyway
0: what was the biggest factor behind your reluctance
1: yeah so I I think well the biggest factor definitely was the whole stigmatization around mental health anyway uh, which is basically especially for um, you know young adult males but for everyone in general um, it's like if you need mental health help you're weak or you're insane. And I think that's kind of, you know, come from, uh, you know, just the old school way of thinking along with, you know, in entertainment, like if you're looking at movies that involve mental health, um, uh, I can't even think of a couple. I'm, I'm going to take Joker as an example. Great movie, um, but it kind of shows mental health in an almost negative kind of light where you have to be insane to have these feelings. Um, And just that whole thought of the only way you can have mental illness is if you're crazy or if you're weak and you can't um, function like a normal person. I was kind of worried to get that diagnosis and kind of admit, okay, I do need help because I didn't want to be viewed those things.
0: I imagine that must have been worse as an athlete in the culture of sport, which leads me to my next question. Um, how did you take the time to address your mental health while also juggling the responsibilities of a student athlete?
1: Yeah, so I actually didn't for a very long time. <laughs> um, I kind of put mental health in the back burner because that's what I had done my whole life, and um, immediately you could see the results from swimming and school, like just deteriorate because you know mental health is swimming and life in general like more than 80 percent of it is mental it's just mental mental preparation mental health mental wellness like without a without a good mental you're not you're not gonna do very well in anything you go out to do um so i think once i did figure out okay i need the mental side of you know sport and school and everything uh what i did was kind of make a schedule that kind of Um, like it kind of circled around, uh, me time and therapy because what I had done for so many years is focus on everything else except for myself. So for the year that I was getting help, I was like, let's do this year for me. And I kind of just did, okay, I'll swim in the mornings. Uh, I'll do my schoolwork when I have free time. I've got therapy in the afternoon. Um, And then after that, I'll do a little me time, maybe go out out for dinner with a friend, just kind of take the the end of the day to kind of unwind and get ready for the next morning. And that's kind of how I did my schedule
0: for that year. While you were incorporating that self-care into into your routine, did you find it hard to keep up with your commitments, whether like academic or to do with swimming?
1: Um, not not really, actually, I felt that it helped in a way. Because I was more mentally, I was more mentally rested and ready to go, um, as opposed to just so mentally drained all the time, stressed out constantly about oh, how am I going to finish this? How am I going to finish that? Just the whole taking a step back and breathing and kind of letting your brain recalibrate um, really gave me that sharpness that I needed to keep everything on track and remember deadlines and remember everything and focus on sport because. That way I was more comfortable I was more ready so the scheduling actually helped a lot
0: so I guess that's one way of coping like the planning out but did you have any other coping strategies that you would recommend to students particularly student-athletes
1: uh yeah um so I I I talk about it a lot like breathing um it's such an underrated thing because we all do it it mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't not breathe, but, um, there's so many breathing techniques that I use, um, before like a big race or before an exam or when I'm stressed in general, balancing things out. Um, it's just like, for me, the big one that always helped me was like the, uh, breathe in for four, hold or breathe out for four. I kind of just got my heart rate back down to like a normal heartbeat and really got my head back into space. Um, Another thing I used to do, and my coach kind of, uh, was the one who introduced this to me, was whenever I was, you know, panicking or having a panic attack or what have you, uh, it was, um, mindfulness techniques. So it was, it was the, uh, five things you can, uh, let me remember this, right? Five things you can see, four things you can touch, no, four things you can hear, three things you can touch, um... Two things you can smell and one thing you can taste, or something. And just kind of doing that a couple times, and focusing on what's in the room as opposed to what's in your head, really helped me calm down and helped with the whole balance schedule.
0: Yeah, I heard of that technique too. Like, I had it suggested by a few therapists, but because my panic attacks are mostly in like social situations, because I have social anxiety disorder. Like paying attention to the room around me had the opposite effect. Like sitting, I would have panic attacks just sitting in class, and the last thing I wanted to do was think about that environment or look around and think of what I could see because what what I could see in my mind were students who were better than me or like the academic slides that I would never fully understand because I'm not smart enough to be in X Y Z like. It was just all to do with self-comparison to my surroundings, so that one didn't really work for me, but the breathing definitely did. Like, I think meditation is one of the best skills that people who struggle with mental health can can get. It's really helpful. Yeah, yeah meditation's huge. How do you think that the pandemic will affect students' mental health and, um, How can students use some of these coping mechanisms to help deal with that?
1: I I just feel like there's so much, so many repercussions from this whole thing that will affect mental health. Just like the uncertainty of like, let's say you're a fourth year student, like what are you going to do next year if everything's closed? Like for work? Or if you're a first year student, um, like are you going to go to res? Because not many people are. And if you do online like what happens to all those interactions that you get with your friends and your new friends and um this whole bit so the online learning cause I know for a lot of students they, they have trouble learning online um like whether they be you know in person like uh, sorry whether they be um what's the word here uh ooh I forget what the word is you anyway, they have to be present in the classroom to learn properly or, like, they have to have firsthand experience or, like, t- like basically just experience it in person. I, I can't talk right now. But uh, those students who have trouble learning, it- it'll definitely impact them because they're going to have to learn a whole new way to learn. And when you've been doing something one way for so long, it's really hard to break that mold and kind of learn on the fly, which is what some students are going to have to do. Um, me, personally, I love working online, uh, but I know for a lot of people, that's going to be really hard. And when you're in, you know, something as stressful as university, like balancing your courses along with your other commitments and learning a different way than you're used to, that that's just going to be, it's going to be be hard for a lot of students out
0: there I know I know someone who was um like going through a breakup recently and yeah. uh they're also trying they were going through like summer e-learning for the first time and I said to them like well at least it's a good time to be going through this like it's a very easy time to manage your responsibilities while being depressed like right you don't have to go to class which is which is yeah. big like it's huge yeah. um yeah, you can be in bed. yeah the amount of effort that it takes to to like actually go somewhere like travel somewhere um and then just sit in the class where like you can be seen and you have to feel that environment is way different but They thought, like, actually that it would make their depression much worse because they wouldn't have the same access to the things that make them happy, like, the things that they cope with. Like, they wouldn't have the same access to, like, their happy places. Like, they wouldn't be able to go to the library and get a coffee and just, like, do those normal things that are part of their routine, so... I don't know where you stand there like what do you think do you think some parts outweigh others
1: yeah no I I agree with you in the sense where because I know when I had like my lowest point I didn't go to class I was like screw it I'm just gonna skip it um so in that sense like not going to class and being able to be in your own little safe zone in your room is huge um especially when you are at a low point low point sorry um, but I agree with your friend as well. Uh, routine's important. Um, I know now because I'm I'm home. I'm not at the university. I, I'm not in the normal September routine that I'm used to, and I can definitely feel it. I, you know, I'm having trouble sleeping. Like it, it's you're, you're subconsciously stressed because your normal is gone. So on the one side, you're right. Like it's it's great for people who. Would much rather just stay in their room and learn that way, and not have to deal with the outside world ever. But on the other hand, your routine is completely switched, so it's gonna, it's, it's tough. It's, it, yeah, uh, it's gonna be hard for students on both ends, really.
0: I do think that it will create a bit of a positive change, just in the fact that like having all the lectures posted online and in videos, it's just. Creating a foundation for accessibility in the years to come.
1: Wait, you you guys never had your lectures uploaded?
0: No, did you? Yeah, Guelph does it all the time. Wow, I had yeah. one teacher do that, um, like, pre-pandemic, just one. and really? Yeah, that's it. No, Guelph, all of Guelph's
1: courses are uploaded online
0: that's insane that would have made such a huge difference Uh wow it was super convenient Mm -hmm. what other kind of adaptations do you think that schools (laughs) should be making for student mental health right now Yeah.
1: yeah so the university of guelph in my first year um was well they were really bad with mental health like they the waiting list like was months and once you got in it was like a 20 minute meeting and when you explained to them what was wrong they were like yeah go get drugs bye and it was like that's terrible but since then they've come a super long way so what what they do is um like the the therapy waiting list might still be long but what they also have is a program where in upper years who are, who have taken course, been through, you know, been through it. Um, They're part of a group called the student support network at Guelph, where um, they're in a room. And I guess, you know, because of COVID, it would be a virtual room or something. Uh, And the student can just walk in any time, say they have to talk and just take as long as they need with one-on-one or two-on-one, whatever they feel comfortable with and just vent and just, let everything out and have someone listen to them, and that that makes a huge difference for some people who just have it all bottled up and feel like they're about to explode. So, for this whole pandemic thing, I would like to see that continue, and hopefully for other universities as well. Like, just have a group of um, a group of students who have like been through the courses, been through training, um, or been through you know, the whole uni, uni experience in general. And just kind of have them in a room for a couple hours a day, just have walk-ins. Because having that accessibility makes it so much easier for kids um, who want to just come and vent for a couple hours a day.
0: Yeah, that's, that sounds amazing. Like, I wish that were implemented at U of T. Because, like, right when you're going through that moment of crisis, you can get the help rather than having to wait and, like, stew with those feelings. I think that makes a huge difference.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's made a huge difference on campus, definitely.
0: Did you personally have, like, a positive experience with your school's mental health resources?
1: I did this year. Or, sorry, I did in my last year of university. My first year was terrible. And I, I say that a lot. Um, because it took me three months to get an appointment. And then when I went in for my appointment, it, she they were 20 minutes late and I, I was having a panic attack in the waiting room for 20 minutes. And then when she did come in, she didn't acknowledge that she was late and she just said, "Here's some drugs to try. Have a good one. And I was like, if that's therapy, I don't ever want to do it again. Wow. Um. And then for a couple more years, I didn't really have great experiences because, I don't know... It, uh, like the thing they don't tell you about for therapy, not everyone's gonna work for you. It, it sometimes it takes you know a couple different people to really find the right fit. So I didn't know that. So I just assumed everyone was terrible because the three or four that I had tried for the first three years were not for me. But then in fourth year, whether that whether it be because I finally found the right person or because the university like really ramped up their mental health um, initiatives, uh, I had a great experience the therapist I had she was um, really understanding she really helped me through a lot and the university now is very um, on point with it they, they like uh, they keep you in this rotation where like the people text you and ask you how it's going um, they make sure that you know they, you get everything you need and you're always uh, like the longest I waited for a meeting this year was probably a week like they're really on point with it now um to make sure that you've got the resources you need whenever you need it so yeah this year has been great for that so shout out to guelph man they did they did a great job this year
0: have you tried different types of like therapy um like in terms of talk therapy just like general talk therapy or like cbt i don't know if you have heard about that
1: CBT um no I'm not I'm not doing that I I've done the face-to-face um and then the rest for me like I I went on medication I did uh the student support network I did that basically yeah for me the majority of mine was just face-to-face therapy
0: yeah it's did you find it hard to gauge how effective that was for you
1: uh, I did until maybe half a year in because for me I this is like with a lot of people but I like to see results quick and if I don't I get discouraged quick um, another reason why I can't lose weight very well no, I'm kidding but, um, so I went into my first meeting and I was like how are you going to fix me and she said that's not what this is I'm here to support you and here to help you get through it, but it's not going to be an immediate fix. And that's another thing that doesn't get uh, stressed about enough. It takes a lot of work. Recovery takes a lot of work. Um, It takes a lot of trials and tribulations. It takes a lot of um, repetitive scheduling and, you know, uh, mindfulness and the whole nine yards. So I didn't really see results because I was so stressed about the end result. I was kind of just like, I'm not happy yet, or I'm not fully happy yet. I still have episodes, so what's going on? And then about half a year in, I looked in the mirror, and I was like, You're actually, you actually don't look that bad today. And that's when I was like, oh, wow, it's actually working. So it takes a while, um, but su- like slowly but surely, just sticking with it, you start to see a difference.
0: When you found the therapist that was right for you, like how did you know? What signals were there that told you that you were with the right person for your recovery?
1: Um, It actually wasn't until the second appointment. The first one, I was in a really bad spot when I went in. Um, So I I wasn't mentally there. And so what she did was she gave me, like, phone numbers uh, that I could call. She gave me, like, another appointment. And she basically said, "Come back when you're ready," because I was not—I was obviously not ready—and the things I was saying made it pretty evident. So when I came in the second time was kind of when I was like, "Okay, I'm ready to do this." And then it, I, I don't really know what—it's hard to explain—but I just got the vibe. I felt comfortable telling like my story and kind of telling her what was going on in my head, because with the other therapists, it kind of felt like I was going, oh, here we go again, I gotta tell the story, or I was, like, dreading, dreading it, or just wasn't comfortable sharing everything, but there was something about her openness, and her, you she was just genuine, and I think that's a huge, huge thing that people need to understand, like, uh, being genuine goes a long way. The first couple therapists I had, like, they just love to hear themselves talk and kind of basically weren't really there to help me but this woman was like genuinely concerned and wanted to help me through it so I think that's when I started realizing this person's right like she she wants to help me out so
0: yeah I, like for sure there's some therapists that it's just they talk way too much like I had this therapist who was in her 20s and like sessions with her was just like a conversation with a friend like she would she would tell me stories about her social life and about weddings she'd gone to on the weekend and I finally knew like I had to find a different therapist when I was like why am I paying 120 dollars to talk to a friend basically
1: yeah no that's you
0: can't do that yeah no my 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 therapist would tell stories but Her
1: personal stories that she shared were always related to the topic we were talking about. It was never like, oh, I went to this wedding this week. It was like, my son did this and said that, and it's linked to what you're saying somehow. So it kind of put all the puzzle together. And that's another way I knew was because any time she ever talked about herself, it somehow linked back to my situation, which meant she was not only dialed in completely, but also just genuinely wanted to figure myself out as opposed to listening to herself speak and uh, worry about her own problems.
0: So So from these different therapists and uh, the different people that you've met and interacted with uh, throughout your recovery, what's the most valuable piece of advice you've ever received regarding your mental health?
1: Ooh, most valuable piece of information. Um, um, let me, there's something I want to check out here real quick, one second, sorry. No
0: worries.
1: Um, oh, here we go. Yes, perfect, okay. So, it's not really, like, advice, but it's kind of, well, it kind of is, but, is this thing that my therapist mentioned where it's it's called the four-quadrant model. I'm going to try to word it out without looking at the model, but my best advice is you've got four quadrants in your brain. Uh, And what you're trying to do, ideally, is stick in the middle in between all those quadrants. And what a lot of people have trouble doing is they focus on the quadrants that highlight um, positivity and uh, perfection. So... In in one side, you're you're focusing on like, oh, I've got to be happy all the time, life's got to be lined out accordingly, everything's got to go according to plan. And then on the other side of this model, you've got the, I'm really upset, and life's not going according to plan, and I'm stressed out all the time. The problem with focusing on just the positive is that once a negative happens, you've been focused on how you're going to react to the positive so much that you don't know how to react to the negative. And I know that happened a lot with me because I personally love planning, and I love planning my future out subconsciously. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. The person I'm dating, I'm marrying them, I'm doing all this. And then once one thing out of that plan kind of gets out of there, like let's say you know you break up with that person, or you know, a test doesn't go your way, you kind of just crumble because you haven't mentally um, thought, okay, what happens if this doesn't work? So you, you want to be in between where yes, I want to focus on um the positives and focus on things that make me happy, but I also need to acknowledge things that make me upset and things that um could happen because that way I'll be mentally ready for both and kind of uh level headed at the same time. I think i were I hope
0: I worded that okay I think I've heard of that before yeah it it was something that I had recommended to me, but not something that I like really followed through with or like thought about a lot um so kind of a shift in topic because of covid and like the restrictions that it's imposed we don't have the same access to the world around us like we can't like right now we have outdoor spaces so that's good um but indoor spaces are like seriously restricted um like say the library the library you can't go and sit with a group of friends anymore or things like that. So how do you think that we as students can adapt and cope with mental health when these sources of joy are being pushed out of our reach?
1: It's tough. It's tough. Um, You know, as human beings, you want, like, we're so social that getting that whole aspect of university taken out adds so much stress. Even if we'd like to admit that we like being alone, you don't like being alone all the time. Yeah. Just having that, you know, having people around, you don't even have to talk to them, it's people around. Um, I think, you know, one way, like maybe, you know, if you have a study group, if you, you have friends, like, do zoom calls but unfortunately that's not in person but you're still seeing you're still face to face with people and you're still conversing um so that also i wish i wish they had um, they don't have study rooms anymore do they because of covid no yeah i wish they had kept that going where like you can book a room with you and a couple other friends just book a room and go chill for, like, an hour or two. And then once you guys leave, they disinfect everything. I feel like that would make a huge difference, just being in front of, like, with people physically. Um, Yeah, it, it's a tough one. I, I can't really think of anything
0: else. I don't know about you, but I think that the winter is going to be very tough for mental health. Like, you don't only have like seasonal affective disorder and how the season itself affects your mood but you also have that like you lose so many different sources of joy like you lose going to the park like that I'm not doing that in winter I'm not freezing my ass off like that's not fun No. whereas right now like it's one of my favorite things to do so I don't know do you think that it's going to be like a pretty steep drop off in winter
1: oh yeah huge because the, the with the pandemic now yeah there's restrictions and yeah it's terrible of course but you're still able to you know go outside go for a walk go for a bike ride you know do yoga outside do do anything and even now like you can you can see a couple friends here and there when when the winter hits like The the one thing I did in university when winter hit, I chilled in the library all day. I just went with, like, the whole swim team, went to the library, we would get coffees because the coffee shop was in there, and we would just sit in there while we looked at the snow outside and thought, oh, we'll worry about that later. Without that whole thing, dealing with, like you said, the seasonal depression side of it and not being able to go outside and relax, there's going to be a big drop-off, and I just... I, I feel like I feel really bad for students because we've seen seasonal depression. I don't know if we were we've seen it like it's gonna be this winter
0: And especially if a second wave hits
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's yeah but- and then you have to like lock down again yeah no it's gonna
1: I'm not I, I don't want to say I'm interested to see where it's going because I'm I'm not but it's gonna be interesting to see what happens
0: yeah i th- i feel like we're all gonna be stuck to- stuck in our houses mm-hmm. um and you're learning at home right now uh like a lot of us are do you have any tips for mental health while living a home-centered life
1: take a lot of me time <laughs> um i because i only have a couple courses i don't have the full five course loads or whatever you guys do in Toronto, but, uh, well, it's five is a full course load. So I only have three, but, um, you know, I, I make a routine and that's the big thing. Routine. You got to have a routine because when I didn't during the pandemic, I felt like I was losing my mind. Um, it doesn't have to be like a strict routine, but just something like, okay, when I wake up, I'm going to do yoga and then breakfast, lunch, see what happens, go to class. And then whatever happens after that, uh, like, dinner movie kind of just having like a a loose structure a loose structured routine um kind of keeps your brain in check um and just having all that me time like because you know if you're if you're just sitting there stressed about school all the time in your room it's going to eat away at you so much so just when you're feeling that stress kind of building up go out go for a walk when winter hits obviously you can't so do some yoga watch a movie do something to get your mind off that stress that is right there because when we don't have um those outlets like you said the park or the library it's really easy to get caught up in that stress constantly it's kind of like the only thing on your mind so just taking some time to unhinge that from you and focus on yourself makes a huge
0: difference uh, what do you think are the greatest mental health challenges or barriers that are facing students today?
1: Um, the greatest barriers. That's a great question. Um, see, I, I think because you know we're, we're talking about it a lot more and the stigma is kind of going away. Like we're normalizing mental health, but stigma's still there. Um, people whether they want to admit it or not, they they don't want to open up because they don't want to be seen as weak or crazy. Um, And I obviously with, you know, how many advocates are out there, how many people are talking, it's great. And uh, we're starting to see like you can live a normal life, a person of society with mental illness. But at the same time, people are still hesitant because there are people out there who don't agree with that and it's hard to look at the positives when there's the negatives around. So the stigma around mental health is still making people hesitate. I know it made me hesitate. Sure. Um, and then another barrier, uh, I, I, relate this a lot to social media because I, first off, I love social media. I'm, I think I'm addicted, but I always preach the negatives. Um, Because let's take Instagram, for example, it only highlights people's positives and it never shows you, well, I won't say never, but pretty much it never shows you the negatives of one's life. So you're only looking at this person's highlights and their positives and you're comparing yourself to that and you're thinking, I don't want to open up about my struggles because clearly no one else is going through anything, as you can see on my timeline which isn't which is not accurate at all because you never know what they're going through it's just what you're seeing firsthand so i think what a lot of students struggle with is they're worried that they'll be the only one going through something and they don't want to have that pressure or that kind of attention on them when in reality like everyone goes through everyone goes through stuff and there's a lot more people struggling than you know instagram would have you realize so those are two big things that kind of making students hesitate about opening up
0: yeah I definitely talked about like the impact of social media a lot with my therapist because like with social anxiety it really feeds that comparison and we were talking about whether it's a net positive or a net negative in my life what do you think it is in your life a net positive or a net negative
1: couple of years, I'd say it would be net negative, just because I had a nasty habit of comparing myself to everyone added on to the fact that, you know, I hated myself and was really self-conscious. I would look at, you know, my friends who were on there, like, super happy, who looked great, like, I never viewed myself as that, so comparing myself to that every day, scrolling through that Instagram every day was... Not a good experience, but now that I've kind of gone through, um, you know, now that I've kind of experienced my mental health journey a little longer um, and kind of slow, kind of slowly started to accept the person that I am. I realized that you know, I can compare myself to these people all I want, but I'm stuck with what I have, and I actually like what I have. So that's kind of definitely helped me you know, move forward with social media and kind of turn that net negative into a net positive. I'm still I still have a nasty habit of comparing myself. I'm not perfect, I'll admit that. But it's definitely gone to a point where I'm scrolling through and I don't hate myself the more that I see
0: Yeah, and there are so many ways to manage social media so that you limit its negative effects. Like I know for me the most helpful one was like, changing who I follow, and I I made it so that if I, like, if I don't wish the person happy birthday, I don't follow them, like, if I'm not close, close enough to them, or have, like, some other connection or interest in their life, then I, then I don't, um, like, I don't subject myself to seeing the really highlights of their life, because that just it really makes, can make your life feel inadequate in comparison. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. You talk about the stigma surrounding mental health. How do you talk about your mental health with the people around you um, and, like, push through that stigma? Uh, It's
1: definitely changed since the beginning. Um, I think with family, you know, it's still kind of, tough to talk about just because uh a family's never really talked about that very much not to say they aren't you know incredibly supportive which they are it's just it's never really been a topic of discussion so we're getting better um but in in regards to like my friends I never I never even brought it up ever and and now that I've kind of opened up about it uh to the people close to me, we've kind of realized that, you know, a lot of us go through stuff. And so now the discussions just kind of, how are you feeling today? Oh, why were you feeling that way? As opposed to just talking about random nonsense uh, 24-7, which we usually did. We're actually having these, you know, important conversations about why am I feeling that way? And what can we do as a group to kind of get that better? Um, so yeah I don't know how to explain it it's just it's my conversations with my friends have been a lot more open and I wasn't used to that at the beginning but now it's just become the normal like you have the usual hey how are you doing and, like friends but then now it's more like how are you really doing and how can I like help
0: sort of that sounds really yeah. really helpful like getting to the root of why you're feeling that way with a person rather than just, like, keeping it superficial or pretending, I think is really important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've gotten into the habit of, like, when I'm depressed, not saying that to my parents because I don't totally feel comfortable doing that (laughs) because, like, my mom other oversteps or... I just don't bring up mental health, period, with my dad. Um, so I say I'm not feeling well. So it makes it sound like it could be a physical issue or a mental issue. But now with COVID, I can't use that anymore because, like, they'll be suspicious. They'll think I have I have the, the illness. But really, I'm just trying to, like, cover up for the fact that I'm too scared to openly talk about my mental illness, which, which really sucks and is something that I have to work on. And so I'm sure so do a lot of people. Uh, There's just one last thing I wanted to ask you. Um, and that's like, what type of therapy was most helpful for you? Like medication or talk therapy or meditation?
1: Um, for me, all those all those things helped, absolutely. I'd say talk therapy helped the most, but not with the therapist, if that makes sense. My, my talk therapy that helped the most was with family and kind of having, or friends and family, and kind of having those open discussions because it's one thing to be, you know, qualified and have gone to school for it like therapists have like they're incredibly qualified it's one thing to have that background it's another to be a friend of that person who's also gone through their own stuff because sometimes you know you don't trust the therapists, and I didn't in the beginning so having those one on one conversations with my friends who had gone through their own issues and like were there for me were supportive that kind of helped me the most because it made me realize I'm not the only one going through this and I've got a ton of support around me that can help, so that's kind of the therapy, quote unquote, helped the most for me.
0: I'm I'm trying to think of my own answer, and honestly, I can't. Like when I started mental health, like recovery, it was a dive in. So I started doing everything at the same time. So I can't like differentiate between whether like meds are responsible for me feeling better, or, like, just having someone to talk to, but they do, they do affect you in totally different ways, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, I completely
0: agree. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to, like, tell you something about my own experience, like, um, have you heard of Thought Records? Thought Records, is is that where you
1: just, um...
0: Record your thoughts. No, it's I just wanted to tell you about it because it's the single like thing in my mental health um, recovery that's been like most helpful. Um, more than anything, it's it's like a chart with I think like six different columns. So in the first column, you'll write the thought. Uh, so for example, like I'm not as good as um, Sally. And then in the next column, you'll write the feelings that that thought has for you and you'll give it a ranking, so like on a scale of 1 to 10. And then in the next column, it's evidence that supports that negative thought or that hot thought. And then the next column is um, evidence that doesn't support and like kind of counters the, the negative thought. And then um, lastly, you just like rank your those same emotions uh, at the end of that exercise. Thank you so much. It was so nice talking to you.
1: Yeah, you too. Thanks, Ashley. Take care. You too.